praise the Lord. That's what we're doing, isn't it? Amen. Giving praise to the mighty God. Amen. Who's here this morning to meet every need, to release unto you the desires that you have in him. And I don't know about you, but I have desires that I have in him. And amen. We just greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's such a, always a privilege to be here with you. And this church, um, this body of believers, this ministry, Brother Tim and Timothy and the ministers represented up there have always been such a blessing. It meant so much to me personally and also to to our church and as brother timothy was saying the years that we've spent together and been able to work together in some faraway places and things uh, you learn about people and um, you see what their motives are and what their desires are and i'm just so glad to be able to be affiliated with them as the body of jesus christ because that's what we are and i believe that the body of jesus christ ought to work together ought to see eye to eye ought to have the same purpose Amen. And the same goals. That's why we're here. Amen. When the prophet said the move is on for the bride, he wasn't talking about just part of them. He was talking about all of them. I don't know about you, but I'm moving. Amen. I'm moving. And so God bless you this morning. We bring you greetings from our church in Sarasota, Florida, the House of Fellowship. I'm so happy to have my wife with me, Michelle. Amen. And she's just always uh, been a great support to me. And I just thank the Lord for her. And uh, it's also a privilege to have been able to be here for uh, Sister Karen's and, and the Butts family's uh, grandma, uh, mother, grandmother, her, her memorial and funeral. And uh, it was just a privilege to be able to be a part of that. And, and, um, and then also Brother Ron and Sister Connie's here, just special friends. This is just a special weekend for me. Amen. And I don't know if you're having a good time, but I'm having one. Amen. And we had a, a wonderful time last night. We just appreciated the atmosphere of the Lord because it's you that do, does that. And, and so he's so faithful. Amen. Why don't we just bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> our gracious Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we can be here together with believers of like precious faith. And Lord, we believe that every service is so precious and so important in your sight. We also believe that you predetermined, you predestinated who would be here this morning, knowing where each one would sit, what they would wear, what they would be doing. Lord, and, and, and you're the faithful God, and we're a needy people. There's already been many uh, requests gone up, Father, but we, we would just want to add one more. We would just say, remember me. We ask you, Father, just to anoint my lips and anoint the ears of the hearer. And Lord, as your presence is here, may you just move to every heart now and bring the word just real personal to them, I ask, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles, if we will, to the book of 1 Kings. Thank you, brother. 1 Kings 11. And I want to begin at the 28th verse. <clears throat> Read down to the, the 40th verse. I want to uh, take a thought this morning and title it, Godly Dominion, Godly Dominion. And, and I will just ask that you bear with me if it's a little slow developing, but um, we just trust the Lord to just bring it home to us. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 28, and the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler 
over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in my eyes, and to keep my statues and my judgments, as did David his father. Howbeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David, my servant's sake, whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David, my servant, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city, which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shall be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and will build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. And Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam, and Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt unto the death of Solomon. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. <clears throat> we want to look at, for, for a time, at the opportunity that is given to this man, Jeroboam. God has told him, I will give you all that your heart desires and that you will rule over Israel and, and I promise you a sure house if you will stay with my word. Now, I want you to see that this man had this great potential. All the potential that laid in God was being offered to him. The only, only reason that God is limited is because man limits him. They limit him with their imagination. They limit him with their creeds. They limit him with their ideas of who God is. Amen. But you can't, you can't bring God and just put him in a place and say, well, this is what he is. And God is saying, I'm offering myself to you, Jeroboam, that if you follow my word, I will give you what your heart desires, and I will make your house like the house of David. And now, what was God doing? God was unfolding the word to him, but he fell from it. And I want to look at the spirits that get involved in the downfall of this man, and we'll see that spirits don't die. Amen. What we're wrestling with today is not new things. We're wrestling with things that have always been here. 
amen, spirits, amen, that will maybe just change the body, amen, amen, change, change the, maybe the way they talk a little bit, but it's the same nature, the same spirit, and the same destructive uh, desire that Satan has towards the seed of God. I don't know if you realize it or not, that Satan doesn't like you. He may have presented himself to you as your friend, and maybe he's presented himself as a friend through a friend, but he's not your friend. And he's not your brother. He may have presented himself to you as a brother, but he's not your brother. Any man that will try to lead you away from the word of God, amen, or be dissatisfied with the anointing that God has already sent. Let me just tell you this morning, that man is not your brother. Because let me tell you, we desire eternal life. I mean, we don't desire a kingdom here. We desire that kingdom. Are you with me? Amen. And so spirits don't die. They're alive. They're presenting themselves right now in ideas, in attitudes. And they will present themselves as opinions. Amen. But we know, amen, Satan has been uncovered. We heard the song this morning, he's a loser. And that's the truth. He's a loser. How many can say amen? Well, he might, have, he might have done something to you, but when you begin to have the courage to rise up and to say, you know what, Satan, he's a loser. You are a loser. That's the first step of your victory. Amen. Because you've got to confess what Satan is and what God is. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan is here this morning in deceit, deception. The prophet called it a tremendous hour. The most glorious time of all ages because we're facing the great millennium again. You understand that the the trying of our lives that we're going through right now uh, is because we're facing the millennium. And when we enter into that millennium, we're entering into that millennium uh, uh, on what the work that God has done on us now. The character that God is building now in you is what God is going to use in that great time. That's why this hour, amen, is such a glorious hour. That's why the trying of your faith is such a glorious trying. Amen. The Bible calls it suffering, but he says it's pointing to glory. Jesus first pointed at his suffering in order for him to enter into his glory. And there's not one of you in here can escape that. You might as well just settle it now. Amen with God. Don't let, don't let the devil use unanswered questions in your minds to be a beachhead in your life, to always be dissatisfied and be discouraged and be depressed. Let me tell you, all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called. I'm speaking to the called. Amen. We're facing Eden again. Right at this age. All the deceit and every tactic that Satan has ever used and been able to deceive with, he's gathered it all together and reinforced himself. He strengthened himself by all these same tactics that he's used before and he's reinforced his team. I think we got a pretty good team up here. So, so Satan's going to fight in every way he can to destroy the influence of somebody that God has given you. And, and so now he's reinforced himself and he has come down like God. I'm doing something wrong up here. Can you fix it? Thank you. He said he had my back. Amen. 
notice, notice what Satan says. I will come down and I will be God. Like God. He says I'll be like God, but he's, he, when he tells you he's God, he's not telling you I'm like God. He's telling you he is God. And he has put himself in the place of God. This is the anointing. Put himself in the place of God and he's religious and can quote the scripture and he can tell you scripture. Amen. He can tell you quotes. Amen. He can tell you, amen, what all the prophet has said about our dominion and what the blood of Jesus Christ has done and where you're at now and who you should be in him. And, and he begins to present to you that you are God. And he can quote it so well. And it's just as Satan did to Eve. Because he left out one thing. And be, when he did that, it makes a gap. And if there's a gap, he can pour something through it. If there's just one weak place, he can keep pounding in that place until it keeps coming in, until the whole thing is poisoned. What did one gap produce? A waste howling desert out of an Eden. Death and destruction out of an Eden. One little gap, one little word. And what was the confusion there? Is Jesus Christ still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is he still in his present office or has his office changed? One gap. Now, he said he would exalt himself above the most high and he would ascend above the clouds and the stars and he would sit there like God and he would be above the most high and he has succeeded in carrying out his threats. He has certainly had a marvelous success by carrying out his threats by the people letting him explain away in every age the value of God's promised word to that age. You know, it has always been that way, and I'm covering familiar territory right now, but it's always been that way that in every age the word that God sends is not good enough. Not powerful enough. Not revelated enough. Amen. And suddenly the prophet of God has come. Amen. Revelations 10, 7. The mystery of God should be finished. And all of a sudden Satan says, but there's a lot of loose ends. I'm sorry. Amen. God's word. He is the author and he is the finisher. He is the beginning. He is the end. Amen. He doesn't need any other man to stand up and explain to him what he's already sent to you. Amen. And I want you to know this morning, I am perfectly satisfied with Malachi 4 and 5. I am perfectly satisfied with Revelations 10, 7. But Satan poisoned their minds. What an opportunity Jeroboam had. We're going to go into him in a little bit in depth, but let's look at our opportunities. The prophet said if we could only realize he's appearing among us now for one purpose. This morning, he's appearing among you now for one purpose. To release our desires in him to you this morning. Your desire that you have in him. He's here to release to you. Just like he told Jeroboam. All your desires. I'll give it to you. From me. But we've got to recognize his presence. 
And how, he says, you must recognize his presence is when the promised word for this age is made manifest. Not the promised word of another age, but the promised word of this age. We say amen to that. Now on the Mount Transfiguration experience, the prophet said when they did one thing, when they looked around and all the power of God was upon them, they saw Jesus only. He said the real true believer don't care, amen, whether he's backing up a denomination or nothing about that. He only wants one thing, and that is for you to see the glorified Christ. That's what makes any difference. A real true Mount Transfiguration experience only glorifies Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I am not here this morning to tell you how great Daniel Steeman is because I realize the pit I came out of. I mean, I realize that this body is still vile. Amen. I think God left that there in order for you to maintain the humility that you must, must have in order for this word to have the proper effect. Paul said, I'm now seated in heavenly places. I am an apostle of Christ. And he also called himself the chiefest of sinners. The original, the original word. He had to remember. Let me tell you, we serve a God so great, amen, that when one drop of that blood, your sin falls into that, God has the power to forget everything you've done. You may be struggling with memories, but God has no memory of it. But he leaves you with a memory in order for the humility of your experience to come and consume you and help somebody else. We're not to walk around like a stuffed shirt and say we're somebody great. Amen. We are somebody that the blood of Jesus Christ has produced. I'm not proud of who I was, but I'm proud of what he's done. Amen. Now it's time to have church. I'm proud of what he's done in my life. I'm proud of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm proud of the deliverance that he brought me out with the mighty hand. You ought to be as well. The people of God ought to know where they came from. Only one thing. When they saw Moses, it didn't glorify Moses. When they saw Elijah, it didn't glorify Elijah. It only glorified Jesus Christ. We're not here to glorify a man. We're not here to glorify ourselves. Amen. Why? Because they saw the glorified Christ. And any true believer, that's what's in his heart, is to glorify Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to get the people to see. See God's word, which is Christ manifested, magnified, and fulfill the promise of the day in this great hour of resurrection. And it gives us joy to know that we are with him. Flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. Let me tell you something. God takes me out of the body of Christ. He's still God. You take God out of my life, I'm nothing. There's only one desire, only one heart's desire is to see Jesus Christ glorified, and that conduct must be with God. 
Amen. He says, for now we are redeemed by him. We are risen with him. And we are now, not will be, we are now sitting in heavenly places in him. Now we have his spirit in us, the abstract that shows all the doubts has been stricken off what Christ lives. Not I that liveth, but him that liveth in me. Amen. Amen. Because his living word lives in you, showing that all the accounts of your Methodist and Baptist and Pentecostal ideas, everything else was stricken off you know there's a scripture in the bible acts 15 it says the pharisees who believed there's something wrong with that statement you see because these pharisees amen they joined themselves to the word of the hour but they kept their identity as pharisees that's the problem around the ranks of the message that many have come into it, but they've carried their same ideas right into the ranks of the message, and it begins to pollute the ideas. Even preachers pollute the ideas until the people don't know where they stand with God. We come in here. We don't stand here with one Mennonite idea, one Amish idea, one Pentecost idea. We stand here, amen, under the message of Malachi 4, amen, a restored back message. We stand here as the first one did, Paul with the original gospel what I'm contending for this morning is not an idea I'm not contending for a doctrine or a creed of a man I am contending for the original faith once delivered to the saints right now right now it's in our bodies right now in our bodies speaking with new tongues some of you need to speak with new tongues. Yeah, Brother Danny, I've never, I've never spoken tongues in my life. Well, I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm saying new tongues. Amen, yeah. right. right. hey, that defeatist. Don't know how to confess the word of God. Right. Living trapped in mourning like Samuel did. He mourned Saul. And so he kept mourning Saul and kept mourning Saul. The tragedy of the past until finally God came to him and says, How long? How long are you going to mourn Saul? Amen. Go down to Jesse's house. For I have provided me a king amongst his sons. Let me tell you, I'm not talking to a bunch of Saul's this morning. I'm talking to those who God has seen. Who God has provided for this age. Right now. New tongues. Right now, prophesying and foreseeing. Laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. The world is dead and all the things of the world. We've passed from death into life and now we now hold the power. There isn't enough devils in hell to keep us from doing it. We were foreordained of God for this hour. Hallelujah. You are foreordained of God to sit there. Suffer with me in this service and rejoice at the word and take your portion because God is here to release into you your desires. He is now dwelling in us. Amen. I'm free. There ain't no devil can keep him from raising. Ain't a door he can shut in my face because the seals have been broken and I'm free. I'm an eagle. I'm no longer in a cage. It's our opportunities. Amen. Oh, Christian, what an opportunity we have. We have opportunities that Paul never dreamed of. We have opportunities that Enoch and Elijah and all of them never had. The opportunities we have now. Why? The rapturing of our bodies lays right in front of us. This is our opportunity. 
And now, I know I'm reading a lot, but we're, we're getting to the message. And now we are seated with him with power and authority over every devil. You know, David had a gift in his life. Before he ever ascended to the throne, God had to see if he could use that gift wisely. And that gift in his life was a gift of music, string music where he'd play. He would play that music and that spirit upon Saul would become so uncomfortable around his plane, he'd get up and leave the room. And Saul would be delivered. Brother Branham said, shame on you churches that don't believe in string music. He says, no wonder the evil spirits didn't either. Well, you might not have liked that, but I'm just quoting you a vindicated voice who can see farther than you can see. He knows what God likes. You don't have to tell me what God likes. He knows what God likes. That spirit of God loves to be worshiped. He loves to see people worship him in freedom. Come on, folks. Worship in freedom. Not ashamed of who's looking at you. We're not a bunch of dead beats. We're children of God. We are free people. Free to worship him. Free to stand with him. Free to believe every word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, if you could only believe what God has given. Amen. And you're seated now with him with power and authority over every devil. Here's the opportunity that Jeroboam has, is to walk with the word. The word that has lifted him from a servant to a king. He was just part of Solomon's house, the son of a servant. But he was industrious. He was clever. He had talents. But God used him, found favor with Solomon, and Solomon used him. And then when God came and spoke to him, he said, if you walk with my word, I'll be with you. So we all have that opportunity today is to walk with him. Amen. He was there to give him the desires of his heart. Just as we've already said that God is here to give you the desires of your heart. But there is a test that comes with the word and that is can you stay with it? And there is a consequence if you don't stay with it. There is a consequence from turning away from the word. Jeroboam already has the word of the prophet that prophesied his dominion. God wants him to rule in godly dominion. And amen, being a mighty man of valor and an industrious man, he's a man of influence now. Amen, so he's a gifted man and where there is a man with a gift, Satan is also there to try and deceive that man so that that gift itself becomes something that stumbles the people. As soon as a word comes to Jeroboam, Solomon tries to kill him. This is a different Solomon than what we've seen in the first part of his life. This is a Solomon who's become confused because he built temples to devils after he built a temple to God. Amen. How can a man that God used so mightily and be the golden years, amen, of Israel, amen, where all the enemies around them, amen, were just afraid and fearful, amen, and they, all, they came from the uttermost parts of the earth to see the wisdom of Solomon, and God came into that temple of God, amen, in such a glorious way, amen, the Bible says a priest couldn't even minister, such a mighty outpouring. And now this man, because of the love of women, he forsook the way of God. Because God had told the kings, don't you do that. And he did it. He turned away from God. Amen. And now when God is beginning to rise up another man, amen, Solomon hates him. The word comes to you. It makes you a candidate for an attack. You know, Satan is smart. 
Brother Branham said there's three powers that make him who he is. Worldly power, which is demonic power, political power, religious power. Three moves of, of, the, uh, of Satan through the ages, through the seven ages. The Antichrist spirit, the false prophet, and then he comes down when the bride goes up. Comes incarnate in the beast. As long as he's, he hasn't come down and incarnated himself, there has to be a mediator there. Because he's the accuser of the brethren. That's why, that's why you have, amen, the thoughts of doubt. After the glorious things God has done for you, Satan will come and try to strike fear in your life because you have an accuser. Amen, you have one standing there saying, telling you, you didn't, it's not what you thought it was. It wasn't a complete deliverance. It's coming back again. That's because there's an accuser. And I know I'm looking on that negative side, but I want you to know there's one that stands to represent you. Satan is the perverter. He's the one that brings sickness and disease. His power is death. That's his greatest weapon. It's fear. Amen. Because death lays at the end of fear. Amen. But the one that stands to represent you. Amen. And in him is all power. In him is all life. In him is all healing. In him is all deliverance. Let the people of God say so. It's all right. Let's watch the dominion of, of, of Jeroboam for just a little bit. Brother Branham, and, and this is a very familiar statement of the prophet. Brother Branham said, unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. And the reason for this is that character simply is never made without suffering. You know, some of you in here have went through some Tremendous times of suffering. But you picked yourself up this morning. You came in. You brought that body of suffering. And you sat in your chair. And you're amen in the word and you're singing songs of praise. I want you to know there's someone that God can point to and tell Satan. You lose. Because character is simply never made without suffering. Because character is a victory. Something you choose to walk in. Choose to get up. Choose. You know, Jacob made a choice when the news of, of he thought was real news and evidence of Joseph's death. He said, I will go down to the grave mourning. He made a choice to not be comforted. For 22 years he lived under the name of Jacob again. It was only the news that Joseph was not dead, but he was alive that he revived when he saw evidence of his life. But he had made a choice to not be comforted. You make a choice. Victory is a choice. You say, Brother Danny, I'm not victor victorious. Well, then get up and be victorious. You say, Brother Danny, I just don't have the strength. But he's your strength. Let the weak say they're strong. Let the poor say they're rich. Don't just take a quote. Take the life of it. Knowing 
what the quote says. The Bible says he hath made us kings and priests. Don't make you a king. He made you that. But the, that kingship is more than a quote. I'm afraid that's what the problem has happened in the message. People take the quotes and say, well, this is what I am. Amen. But there's no victory in their life. Amen. That came through the suffering. They chose to em uh, emulate the suffering instead of the victory that came with it. There's not one of you that sat in a chair sick that God hasn't been there by your side. Somebody help me this morning. I don't care how dark the darkness is. There is light with you because either that or God is a liar. He said, I will never, never leave you. I will come to you. I'm your guide. I brought you here. I will take you out of here. Am I yelling too much, brother? It's a big building. Amen. Characters of victory. It's not a gift. Why? Tremendous statement. Because a man without character can't reign. Because power apart from character is satanic. Power apart from the character of the word will not rightly divide the word, but will rest it unto their own destruction. But power with characters fit to rule. Amen. And since he wants to share with us to share even his throne on the same basis he overcame and is set down in his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. Amen. We are made to rule. Amen. But we're made to rule by the word of God that God has given you. You know, there's people who tried to take the word and they handled it wrong. Maybe they have a situation in their home. Maybe, maybe the husband's a believer and the wife's not, so they try to take the word and prove to them how much of an unbeliever they are. That's not using it well. Brother Branham gave the example of, uh, of, of, the, of the brother who was coming to his, his assembly, and here's his wife, and she was, I believe, a little Pentecostal, or maybe the man was Pentecostal and the wife was something else, and, 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 and it caused a, a division in the home, and, and, and the man came to Brother Branham and says, well, Brother Branham, my marriage is ending up in divorce. Brother Bam says, why? He says, well, I've, I've been out on the floor trying to cast the devil out of her. Well, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's just a normal thing to do right before you all, you know, go to bed, right? Cast the devil out of one another. And, amen. Brother Bam said, looked at him and says, you know, you're going about it all the wrong way. He said, you need to take her a box of chocolates and some flowers. Hey, that's a prophetic word telling you, go, sisters, you ought to be happy. Prophetic word, get chocolates and flowers. I read that quote to your husband every night. Amen. Chocolates and flowers. Chocolates and flowers. Not choc chocolates and flares. Chocolates and flowers. Amen. Right? Amen. That man came back and says, my marriage has been rejuvenated. You know, God is so simple. He knows how to just put things right back together and they work. It works. So the only thing you take with you is your character. That's the only thing. Amen. Now, why would God call a people out of this age for, this evil age for his name? He said be, to prove to Satan that she's not like that first Eve. Amen. And we know this evil age is to prove that to Satan. She's not that type of woman and she will be tried by every word. As Adam's bride was tried by every word. So now we have this lesson here learned from two kings. The Bible says... 
When you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, then shall there be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to call his name to dwell there. Neither thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithe, the heath offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants and the Levite in your gate, forasmuch as he has no part nor inheritance with you. Take heed to thyself that you offer not thy burnt offerings in every place you see. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes. There thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. So now what God offered to Jeroboam when Israel was divided? He offered him a house like he built for David, and, and he would be with him. You say, well, Brother Danny, you've said that multiple times, and I want that to come, come, come clear to you that God said, I'll be with you and build you a sure house. It's the offering he gave. But the lesson here is, is that immediately after the word comes to Jeroboam, Solomon seeks to kill him. So he runs to Egypt and he stays in Egypt because corrupt power will always seek to hold on to it. And Solomon's seeking to kill him, but godly power will always fulfill the word. Jeroboam flees for his life and he stays there until Solomon dies. Rehoboam takes the throne. And here is the word fulfilled that the kingdom would be split. Because you notice how the power is used where if it had been used wisely by King Rehoboam and with character, the kingdom could have been healed. But in order to fulfill the word, this young king had to act the way he did by forsaking the counsel of the old men and heeding to the counsel of young men by speaking roughly to the people. Instead of words of reconciliation, it was words of domination. If you thought it was bad before, wait till you see what I do. He did not have the wisdom to heal the wound. You know, that's a life lesson for any of us. Know that it had to be that way in order to fulfill the word. Thus, even corruption and power without character will still fulfill the word. Had his son Rehoboam, had Solomon's son Rehoboam listened to the wisdom of the older leaders, he could have won the hearts of the people. But he was unwilling to be a servant. To the people. He was unwilling and he listened to younger men who lacked experience and as a consequence made a foolish decision. The way to be a ruler is to be a servant. And that's how Israel was divided. Jeroboam takes over the ten tribes and now remember what God has already given him. He's given him his word. But Jeroboam is not a man after God's own heart. No matter how much God promised him the sure house of David, Jeroboam is not a man like David who did not have a heart that could be moved by God. Jeroboam is political, not spiritual. And now I want you to notice something. <clears throat> Where we stand right now in the word of God, Jeroboam changed the approach to God. He changed the present office work of God. The, uh, the prophet tells us, very familiar quotes, 
In Revelation 15, 3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Do you see it? The Lamb, the high priest, holding his blood as an atonement on the mercy seat for our sins is the Lord God Almighty. That is his present office. That is what he is doing now pleading his blood for our sins. But one day the lamb will become the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will come forth in power and glory and take his authority to reign as king. He is the coming king. Amen. Of course that does not say he's not king now for he's our king, king of saints. Right now it is a spiritual kingdom. You notice how the prophet places the word just perfectly. That's the reason we act different from the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We reflect the spirit of the world. We of our rebirth where Jesus is the king. That's why our women do not dress in men's clothing or cut their hair or use cosmetics and all the other things the world likes so much. That's why our men don't drink and smoke and carry on in sin. Our dominion is the dominion over sin. And it is in force through the power that is in the spirit of Christ that lives in us. Revelations 1, 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The word washed is loose, loose from our sins in his own blood. Isn't that wonderful? But are you spiritual minded? Did you catch it? It was his own blood that loosed us completely from our sins, not human blood. It was the blood of God. Peter called it the blood of Christ. Paul called it the blood of the Lord and the blood of Jesus. Not three persons, one person. Amen. He did not send another one to come. He didn't send an angel. He came himself to redeem that lost son. Hallelujah. God did not entrust his plan of salvation to anyone else. And consider this, brother and sister, since it's it's the blood of God, it's perfect blood. And if the perfect blood is loosing us from the power of bondage and defilement of sin, then the loosing is perfect and complete. So don't get tied down. We are free. We're guiltless. Don't listen to man who tries to bring back fear in your life. We are free. Listen to the word. You are loose by the blood. We are free men. You are God's free men. Loose by his own blood. If you still hold your faith to creeds and denominations, it is certain by the evidence you've lost your faith in the word. So no wonder... Satan wants to move the people away from the present office work of of God because it brings life. In the present office of God is life. Not in the glare of another age. Amen. Not in some uh, something that you're trying to construe for the future, but right now. Right now is where the power is. And when you change the present office work of Jesus Christ, you build idols of death and division. I'm just going to read you some scriptures. Listen, I, I, I feel comfortable preaching halfway long. Right. <laughs> Amen. Listen to the scripture. Then Jeroboam built Seshem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people do go up to the sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, 
Then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold, now remember what Jerusalem is. God said, that's where my name is, the place I choose my present office work. And Jeroboam says, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So he was not using uh, gods, amen, that the people were unfamiliar with. He was using and ascribing to the gods he was setting up before them as the one who brought them out of Egypt. The one who used Moses in a mighty way. Now watch what he says. And he set one in Bethel. You know, Satan always tries to make a claim where God has done something. Bethel is where Jacob realized who God was and, and a commit, committal to God. Now, now here is Jeroboam. He's going to set up a, a, a golden calf on a, a sacred spot. Take a sacred spot that's reserved for the elect and set up an idol right upon it until people are afraid to deal with it. Until Bethel will become a place of idolatry instead of a words of life and a place where God descends. Now watch what he did. He set one in Bethel, Bethel and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places. And made priests of the lowest of the people which were not of the sons of the Levi. Because, because the priesthood, amen, they were elected to worship God. They were elected and they were set in their orders. And they were not going to go after something that was wrong. So he set up anybody. He used anybody. As long as they supported him. And watch this. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month. On the fifteenth day of the month. Like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel sacrificing unto the calves that he made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the, of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel. The fifteenth day of the eighth month. Even in the month which he had devised of his own heart. You know what he did? He changed the, the feast from the seventh month until the eighth month because the seventh month was performed in Jerusalem and the people were coming there. So he devised another month. Hey, it's more convenient for you from the north especially. Jerusalem's too far to go. Let's make a convenient gospel where you don't have to go all the way. And he changed the times and he changed the seasons. And this thing became a plague amongst the kings of Israel until out of 19 of the kings of the northern kingdom, 16 of them walked in the ways of Jeroboam. That's how hard it is to shake off false doctrine. And it wasn't doctrine that started with Jeroboam. It was just a spirit Amen, who changed and found a man who is political instead of spiritual, but he's gifted. Let me tell you, when a man is gifted but not given to God, he becomes the greatest stumbling block that lays before children of God because Satan is after the weak and the infirm, and he goes from congregation to congregation, looking on, skulking on the outskirts, trying to pick them off. And Bethel is only... 
It's within sight of Jerusalem. So here you have Dan, a God of convenience. And here you have Bethel inside of Jerusalem. Let's bring them away from Jerusalem. Let's bring them away from Rehoboam. And let's bring them over here to this. And this is thy God. This is thy God. He changed the present office work and built his own altar. He changed the office work where the blood was to be placed. He changed and built his own altar. He changed it from the seventh month to the eighth month. Spirits don't die. So he seeks to strengthen his kingdom. Let me just labor in this for just a little bit by holding the people to a manufactured worship. And now what came through the prophets? That temple was built according to the prophets. And the prophets, amen, gave the pattern because it's what God had showed them. Amen, it wasn't just altars of convenience and, and the holy court and the holy of holies. And, they, you know, that's just the way we like it. We brought in an interior decorator and they said, this is the best way to set the table. This is the best way to set this. And, and we did it because it looked pleasing to us. No, it was an exact pattern that God had given in heaven. And if you're going to meet God, you're going to meet him his way, not my way, not anybody else's way. Because I can't save you, I can't heal you, but I can point to the one that's here in the room that can do all of it. He's already done it. So he's, he's calling them back to what Aaron did at the mountain. And Aaron set up his golden calf and then said, tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. He's not setting up something. He knows what that mountain is about. And this is actually a true priest that's been deceived by the people. And pressured so much until he finally gives in to their demands and says, you know what? I'll build what you want, but you got to bring me the material to do it. That's not a revelation. That's taking something from everybody else to build what they're going to worship. Let me tell you, you better not stand here this morning in this church, amen, and have, have an idea of what the message is from everybody else. Unless you meet him yourself, amen, this thing is dead to you. I don't care how many quotes you can lay out before God. It means nothing to you. I don't care if you read to him, he's made me a king, he's made me a priest. It means nothing to you unless your character has come to that place that you can acknowledge the word and the word only holds a life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Peace be thy God. Tomorrow is a feast day unto Jehovah. He was there under the trembling of the mountain, saw the cloud, went with the elders as God spoke to Moses. So he was not building an image uh, that, that was not associated with the doctrine that was going to be taught coming off the mountain. Brother Branham said that mountain was a type, uh, uh, the, the commandments was a type of the seven seals coming into the bride. So if there was a golden calf built there, there'd be a golden calf built here. And it comes out directly against the giving of the word that comes through the prophet. And even though a prophet destroyed a golden calf, the spirit of that calf was still alive. That spirit of that doctrine was still alive. And hundreds of years later, it strikes a king. What happened? Why did, why, why, why was Aaron so pressured? Because Moses delays. 
He's, he's delaying. And he's delaying. And he's delaying. And the people become, hey, let's, let's make something that can fill the void of the delay. When we understand the word tells us you occupy till I come. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't construe a new doctrine to say why we're still here. Don't bypass the supernatural event that I, amen, have ordained from before the foundation of the world. That Paul looked for. That all the prophets looked at. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Daniel 7, 25 says, He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. Times and laws. You go read that. You go, you go study that verse. It says change feast times and laws. God's laws. Change his present office. How deadly was it? What Jeroboam chose to do with the words of the prophet became years of dictatorships in Israel. False doctrine is nothing but dictatorship. God told him, you stay with the word, I will stay with you. And when Israel rejected the leadership of God in the pillar of fire and turned to the worship of golden calves, their names were removed from the book of life. Amen. The Bible says he blotted out the names of Ephraim and Dan from under heaven. And all the way through the millennium, their names were blotted out. That's what turning to idols means. That's why so many people, the message is not enough for them because they built another idol. And the prophet said if turning to idols demands the penalty of the removal of names from the book of life, then most assuredly Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ as Messiah would demand a severe penalty. Uh, But I got news. There came a scripture. There came another prophet. Amen. In 1 Kings 13, it says, Behold, a man of God uh, out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Uh, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born into the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high place that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day this is the sign which the Lord has spoken behold the altar shall be rent and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out and you'll find out that just before Israel went totally and Judah went totally into uh, uh, their diaspora and their separation there came a man by the name of Josiah and he tore down the false altars And God had ordained men, amen, to come and tear down the false altars that would bring a false worship and would bring idol worship back into the children of God. People that were never intended to bow the knee to anything else other than the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be the name. Let me just talk about this, just a couple aspects now about godly dominion. The Lord said in Matthew 24, 42, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. It would not have suffered his house to be broken up. 
Therefore be also ready. For such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming. Now, the, Jesus now is warning of the same spirit that was at Mount Sinai and that was with Jeroboam. But and if the Lord shall, so the evil servant say, My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour he's not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who is that faithful servant who will give meat in due season? That's translated as seasons, times at which certain foreordained events should take place. So the servant is expected to give the right word in the right season. The message has to be right, and it has to be for the time. And blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find him doing this. There is an operation of the Holy Ghost at work in the body of believers that should be at work right now, and that is giving to the household what is right in its due season. And notice that the servant is made ruler over his household, and his rulership has a domain that is constrained by who he's a servant to. He has only his rights only go as far as what the Lord gives him. But there's an evil servant, one who has his own ideas about the Lord and his coming. And he began to smite his fellow servants and to eat with the drunken. Now the smiting and the drunkenness are in conjunction together. And that word smite means to strike repeatedly, to pummel. And it shows how this servant abused his position in the household and the drunken are the uninhibited, the unrestrained. He began to abuse what was meant for stimulation. This servant was given a position of trust. He was given a dominion that's governed by the Lord of the household. And what made this servant evil was when he left off doing what the Lord had commanded him to do. Let's notice two things before we go further is the servant was commanded to give. That's the nature of this position. Give. Give is in relation to the word. Give them the truth. Give them hope. You know, I probably had people in my church that, that have fallen a hundred times and they say, I'm no good. I say, you know what? The hundred and first will do it. You know why? Because I'm commanded to do it. Give them hope. Not strike them repeatedly. Give them hope. When the word is given in the nature that the Lord had commanded, it will bear the fruits of that giving. So the servant was commanded to give, but he began to smite. Smiting is not giving. Remember the dream Brother Branham had of the man with a three-cornered club. He kept smiting this woman with the doctrine of the Trinity, and the smiting was keeping her from rising up. Every time she tried to rise up and receive strength, he beat her with the doctrine of the church. Amen. What was it? She was trying to rise up in faith when the word was coming in, but she was held down by the smiting of the organizational spirit that was over her. 
this organizational spirit took the same Bible that we believe in and twisted the words of it to make it a trinity and beat the people. Beat the people with what was given to bring faith to the body. For the message of the hour was represented by Brother Branham was to deal with that abusing spirit of organization so that the woman would be free of it. Amen. This message is not about being friends with everybody. It's about freeing the abused woman. This message is the power of God unto salvation. This message is rapturing faith. For faith comes by hearing the word. Two things. Giving or smiting. Under giving, you can give correction. You can give encouragement. But smiting is not correction. It's abuse. Luke 9, 51, it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent his messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was he would go to Jerusalem. So they didn't understand him. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? You see, their idea of the position that God had given them was wrong. And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's life but to save them. And they went to another village. Why, Why did he do that? These servants, true servants of God, wanted to smite those people with fire. Why did the Lord turn and rebuke them? Acts 8, 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. What if John had smirked them with fire? Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost? The fire that Jesus Christ was was interested in is that people might receive his life. Amen. And so John could come, not smite them with fire like Elijah. Amen. But come and lay hands on them and the fire of God smite the enemy. Amen. That was holding the people bondage. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Brother Branham learned to listen to the voice of God and not to other voices that would influence him away from voices that were close to him. When he should have taken his gift amongst the Pentecostal people, he was persuaded otherwise by the pressure put on him from his wife's family. And Brother Branham said later in his life story, he couldn't stand that. He couldn't stand it. So I told her, well, we're waiting. We'll go later. And that's where I made my mistake. Now, if I would have went on, this gift would have been in operation way before that. Because I'd have come amongst people who would recognize it, you see. But I said, I won't, we won't go. And brother and sister, from there my trouble started. The first thing you know, my church began to drop off. My brother was killed. Suddenly his neck broke in the street, riding in a car with his arm out. His neck was broke. His blood poured out on my other brother's body. I run to meet him, but it was too far, and he died before I could get to him. My sister-in-law died a few days after that. My father died in my arms. Everything began to go wrong, and you know what happened to his wife and daughter. But notice what correction does to a son of God. He can receive it. And when he receives it, it brings godly dominion. 
When Brother and Sister Stadscliff's baby died and they asked Brother Branham to come, will you come and, and pray for our baby? And the doctors had offered to hold the baby up under an oxygen tent and so forth so Brother Branham could fly across to Germany and pray. They believed, they had all faith that God would raise their baby up. And Brother Branham prayed and God said, don't go. So Brother Branham sent them a, a, a tape, a, a tape recording of condolences to them. And, and he began to give them some compassion. He says, Brother and sister Stad, Stadscliff, how can I make you see it now? No more than I could when I went in the room to pray for my little Sharon and God refused to hear me. I couldn't understand how that would be his program. But look what that little story has done. It has brought thousands to Christ. A few weeks ago, I was coming off a hillside where I went one afternoon in the woods to hunt. And I was sitting on the hillside thinking of the time when I was a little boy and used to squirrel hunt. And I thought, well, things have changed a lot since then, but look at the sorrow. If you could go through it, would you do it again if you had to go back over life? And I said, yes, I would. First, I said, I don't believe I would because I'd have to go through the sorrow seeing hope my first wife go and little Sharon and them. And then something said, but look at the thousands of souls. That's been saved. And I said, God, yes, I'd go through it again. Anything for your kingdom. Examples of godly dominion. That when Brother Branham was warned by the Holy Spirit while he was up in New England. Said there's a trap set for you. But the Holy Spirit, you know, this is the way the Holy Spirit works. He'll tell you there's a trap, but he won't tell you what it is. Because if he'd tell you what it is, then your reaction might be just a little bit robotic. Well, I'm supposed to do this. He wants it to be a choice because victory is a choice. And here's a man of God, amen, who in his first year of documented ministry that was, that was put out there uh, in 1949, they, they put the, the press report said that this man, William Branham, they said there was documented 35,000 documented healings in his first year. 35,000. You don't hear too much about that. Because people don't want you to know the power of a living God. And he said, here I come, here I come to the, uh, and I even told the church about it, that this was going to happen. And, and, and then he said, I come, and, and I went back and looked at the experience. And when, when it was right when the healing service started, and Brother Banner began to rebuke that couple, uh, a couple that sat on the front row. He said they was about 25 years old, and they was acting immoral in the service. And he stopped, and he would tell them, he said, stop that young man. And then you'd watch him, and he'd go back, and he'd start talking to the sick and talking about God. And then he said, young man, I told you. And he said, as I stood there, something said, they're in your hands. Godly dominion. They're in your hands. And he said, thoughts begin to strike me. Strike them blind. Say the word and they're dropped dead. And he said, then I looked at them and said, I forgive you. That broke the spirit of it. That's godly dominion. He said, I went and laid in my bed that night, and the Holy Spirit began to just run through me and talk, tell me about all these things and told me about John and James wanting to strike fire down upon the Samaritans and everything. He said, that's what he wanted me to do. He said, what would you do with the power? I don't rejoice over one person that falls. But neither am I going to sit and mourn for years about it. 
because the move is on. Power is in your hand as a believer. Satan is always near to lay a trap. His present office, I'm closing. Say amen. Well, that was anemic. Okay. Set my, put my hour on here. I went across to a modern little restaurant across the street and across the road where the highways cross. I want you to listen to this very closely, Godly Dominion. And I went over there, and when I went, I walked in there. It was disgraceful. Standing playing slot machines was an officer, police officer about my age, married, his arm immorally around a woman playing a slot machine, which gambling's illegal in Ohio. I looked back, and there sat some of these pretended Elvis Presleys. Setting back there, all kinds of nonsense, hoodlums with their trousers pulled down, sitting with young girls in their arms, and I couldn't just say what was going on in a mixed audience. And I looked, and sitting over to my right, there was an elderly woman, old enough to be my grandmother almost, with purple stuff on her lips, toenails painted the same, little pair of these MR clothes, poor old thing, her hide hanging down on her arms, and sitting there with blue spots on her face. And when she, he can sure describe something, can he? And there, and where she had painted them, and that hair colored was blue. And I looked, and I thought, oh my. And two old men sitting there in the summertime, one with a big old army overcoat on, a scarf hanging down, and sitting there with that poor lady in beer sitting there drinking. And one of them looked over to the other and said, you think the rain will hurt the rhubarb? And they excused themselves and went to the restroom. And I stood there and I said, God, you and your holiness, how could you ever stand to look at that when it kills me to look at it? I said, why don't you strike it off the earth? Don't let it be here no longer. And I said, my little Sarah and Rebecca have to be raised in such as that. I said, God, strike it from the earth. You're holy. How can you do it? And something said to me, get behind the door. I'm not telling you just now about a quote. I'm telling you about a vision. I know there's a lot of people that need to get behind the door. And I went and got behind the door and I stood there and I waited a little bit and the vision come and I saw the world turning. I saw the vis- a vision, the world turning. Brother Bram said, the vision is thus saith the Lord. And I saw the world turning and around the world was a mist that looked like blood spraying around and I looked in there and I was doing things wrong. And every time I do something wrong, my sins would start to go before God, and God would have to kill me. But Jesus stood there like a bumper. Glory. Glory. He caught it. And I seen the tears run down his cheeks, and I'd do something else bad, and his blood would hold it and keep it from touching me and from killing me. God would kill me because he said, the day you eat thereof, that day you die. And I looked, and in the vision, I went up to him, and I said, Lord, I'm ashamed of myself. There lay my book laying there with all kinds of evil wrote on it. And I said, will you forgive me, Lord, that I put you in that condition? Did my sins cause you to have to die for me? Oh, Lamb, please forgive me for my sins. I won't do that no more. And he reached back and he tapped his hand like this and he wrote across the book with his own blood, pardon, and he threw it behind him and then he opened up a new book. This is not just a quote. This is thus saith the Lord. And I said, thank you, Lord. I'll do anything you tell me to do. I love you, Lord Jesus. And he said, now, I freely forgive you. Come on. 
for all you've done. And then he turned and looked at the woman. We saw him turn last night. And he turned and looked at this woman. Blue hair, blue spots, skin hanging down, beer on the table. And two men sitting with her. And he turned and looked at the woman. And I turned and I looked. And I seen her and he said, but you wanted to strike her off of the face of the earth. And I felt so small. I said, forgive me, Lord. And when the vision left me, I walked out to that little table where she was at. And I said, how do you do? And she said, and I said, may I sit down? And she said, thank you. I have company. He said, I don't mean it that way. I'd like to say a word to you. She said, say on. I said, how long you been leading this life? And she looked over at me and that poor old thing. And I thought, my no matter how, what she's went through. Something has changed. Now he's thinking of what she went through. Not strike her dead. What, what has she gone through? And I told her what happened. And I said, will you pardon me? I said, are you that minister that's here, Brother Branham? And I said, I am. And she reached over and got a hold of my hand. Began to cry and said, sir, my husband was a preacher. And after his death, I have two girls, Sunday school teachers, both of them. And she told me her story, what happened and the way she was leading. And she said, I'm past hope. And here goes that faithful servant. Reaches back and grabs some spiritual food. And he says, no, you're not. If I can say anything here this morning, the devil's told you it's past hope. And I just say, no, you're not. There's not one person in here that's went too far that that blood of God, amen, is still standing there. That'll stack as a bumper. That'll make you free man, free people. Glory to God. about dominion we got people running around say I'm God and we're strike people off and we're do this and you're not worthy he walked up to that little woman amen and he looked at her and a prophet Malachi 4 looked at a woman with blue hair blue spots amen sitting with beer and says lady forgive me Forgive me. And I took her by the hand and led her right back to the Lord on that floor. You want to tell me what the blood of Jesus Christ is all about? You want to tell me who you are? Let me tell you who he is. He can look down and see the farthest, and he can take that life. And when you've given up, when you said go away, God says try again. One more time. One more time. Go back to them and give them some hope. And I'm here this morning reaching back into that treasure chest of the word of God, and I give you some meat. Amen. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities, and by his stripes you are healed. Come, brother. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Name of the Lord. Oh, just lift your hands to him. Just love your Savior, love your God. Thank him for the power of this blood. Hallelujah. The blood that will make the most vilest sinner free. Cleanse every sin. Heal every sickness. Raise the dead. 
Oh, can you magnify his name this morning? Can you give glory and honor to this God? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, just worship him for a moment. Hallelujah. You know what that blood did for you? You know where it saved you, where it reached down and picked you up out of the miry clay and set your foot upon a rock, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we love you, Lord. We praise you, God. We lift your name, the name that is above every name. At the very mention of that name, every devil has to flee. Oh, God, we're thankful, Father, for a living God, a living Christ among us, a blood that sets us free, a blood that cleanses, a blood that heals. Oh, God, a blood that saves. Hallelujah. Lord, there may be those here this morning that came thinking they're past hope, but they heard a word that says, no, you're not. You're still a son and daughter of God. Jesus, we love you. We bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe you're one of those this morning. You thought I was past hope. Won't you come this morning and find that hope? Find that rest. Find that blood that'll make you clean. I invite you to this altar this morning. I invite you to a place to find him. He's looking at you this morning with eyes of compassion. He's ready to dip in his side and ride across your old wicked book, pardon. It's over. Justified. You've never done it in the first place. That's the power of this blood. We accepted this morning. You say, I've done, I've tried, I've tried, tried for the hundred and first time. Try it again and see if it'll work. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Cross, Lord. Thank 